Let me begin just by saying welcome again now, not only to those of you who are gathered here in our traditional sanctuary, but welcome also to those of you who right now are joining us in our contemporary service. I'm glad that we have the opportunity to learn from God's Word together as one church family, even if we have to be in different places. And speaking of learning from God's Word together, we're going to be learning and reading from the Bible today. And if you have a Bible with you, or if you don't have a Bible with you and would like to follow along with the readings, our ushers are going to be coming up. Uh, aisles in, of the aisles in both of our worship venues, and you can borrow a Bible from them during this hour and just stick it back on the rack in the back of both of our worship venues after the worship service today. Have you ever been doing something or have you ever done something for a long time and you did it for kind of so long that you forgot what you were doing, you didn't even realize you were doing it anymore? I want to remind you of something we've been doing for a while and so that we don't forget that we're still doing it. About a half a year ago, for the last six months, we've been walking through with a special intentional focus on the traditional Christian year, on the holidays and seasons that make up the Christian calendar. And so about six months ago, we started in the season of Advent with Advent preparations for Christmas. And as we've gone through these seasons, we've walked our way through the stories of Jesus' birth and life and death and resurrection and ascension. And now we come to this season that's called Pentecost. And we actually started Pentecost two weeks ago on a holiday called Pentecost. And on Pentecost, we remembered and celebrated this day when God for the first time really poured out his own presence, poured out his spirit on the people, on the followers of Jesus and empowered them with strength and boldness for witness in Jesus' name. And now we're in the season of Pentecost. It started two weeks ago. And there's two things that you really need to know about the season of Pentecost for this morning's purposes. The first one is that Pentecost is really long. Pentecost takes a long time. It goes on from now until we start our Advent preparations for Christmas again. So in sort of a regular secular calendar, it's half the year. It's like six months long. The reason that Pentecost is so long is the second thing that you should know about Pentecost today. It's so long because this is a season that's designed for helping us grow in the spirit of Jesus in the long string of regular days that make up most of our lives. In fact, some Christian traditions refer to the Pentecost season by another name also. They also call it ordinary time. And the reason they call it ordinary time is because it's not proper or, or it's not a special occasion. And that's okay because a lot of our lives are not special occasions. A lot of our lives, most of our lives are made up by the ordinary days that are strung together week after week, month after month. And Pentecost is an opportunity for us to learn to live in the extraordinary experience and power of the Spirit of Jesus in the ordinary moments of our everyday lives. And so we're doing something here for this summer season, which is really only half the Christian season of Pentecost. We're going to be reading the book of Acts together. And you can think of the biblical book of Acts as sort of a fifth gospel. Not exactly, but the, the four, there's four gospels in the New Testament, four books that tell the life story of Jesus, and they're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell the stories of Jesus' life on this earth. Well, the book of Acts tells us a story of the life of the Spirit of Jesus in those of us who follow him after Jesus has ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father in power and authority. And it helps us understand what is the Spirit of God, what is the Spirit of Jesus Christ likely to be doing in us right now here in this place. And there's a lot that we can learn from the book of Acts, and I think it can help us learn to live lives of, in the extraordinary presence of Jesus and of extraordinary impact and experience of the Spirit of Jesus in the ordinary days of our lives. And we get to start reading the book of Acts together, although we have read about Pentecost and Ascension on two other days already. We get to kind of start this series in earnest 
chapter 3 in a story that I think many of us have experienced already. And I brought a picture along here, I put it on the screen here, and I bet that if, maybe you've met that guy before, or maybe not that guy exactly, but maybe somebody in a similar situation. You pulled off a highway exit ramp, you got up to a busy intersection, you walked through a city park, and somebody was asking for help. Somebody needed some help. And maybe in that moment, you went through some of the same internal wrestling that pretty much everybody else does, and you ask yourselves questions. And you say, does this guy really need help? Is this for real, or is this some sort of a scam? Can I really help? Is there anything that I can do? Would I maybe just be enabling some kind of system? Or maybe if you pull off the highway exit ramp, the question that's really on your mind is, how soon do I get to drive away from here? These questions occur to us. We've all been in situations like this. And now in the Bible today, we found out that this didn't start real recently. Peter and John, two disciples of Jesus, were on their way into the temple in a very busy location. And there was a guy kind of sitting on the side of the road they were walking in on who was asking for help. And I think as we read this story today, we can learn lessons from the extraordinary power of Jesus at work in their lives to apply to a whole variety of ordinary situations in our own lives. Like many of you, I have found myself in that very situation. And most of the time, nothing all that dramatic happens. Sometimes I've given a little bit of money. Sometimes I've been a little bit more generous. Most of the time, I just get away fairly quickly. And on all of those occasions, even though some of them happened quite recently, I really have no distinct memories of what happened. The occasions didn't make much of an impact on me, and I don't remember much of them. But there was one occasion about 10 years ago, maybe almost 11 years ago, when Amy and I, my wife Amy and I, were living in North Carolina, and I was in graduate school, and I had a part-time weekend landscaping job that I would do from time to time to try to help bring in a little extra money while we were in grad school. And one Saturday morning, about 11 a.m. or 12 o'clock, I was driving back home, having finished my work, and through a busy intersection that I'd been through a number of times before. And there was a guy sitting there on the median in the middle of the road, along with his dog. And I pulled up, and for some reason on this day, I just thought it would be the right thing to do to stop and invite him to come along with me to lunch. And so I invited him, and he and his dog, his name was Jim, and his black Labrador retriever was named Cody. And Jim and Cody hopped up in the cab of my truck, and together we drove to lunch, just right around the corner, a little plaza that was right nearby, at a place called Zero's Subs. It was a sandwich place in North Carolina. And we went in there, and Jim ordered a chef's salad, uh, half of which he took with him for later, by the way. And we spent about an hour and a half together, and I got to know him a little bit. I found out that he lived about half the year in North Carolina, and he lived half the year, believe it or not, in Minnesota. I'll let you guess which half of the year he lived in Minnesota. <laughs> while he was here, there was a guy he knew who could set him up with work for a little while. He did some roofing and some basement waterproofing, but as the season dried up, so did the work, and so he would make his way back down south again. And it was the middle of the winter season, as much as that happens in the south. It was the middle of the winter season when we went to lunch together. We spent about an hour and a half together, and then Jim and Cody, I took him back to a spot along the side of the road where Jim wanted to be dropped off because kind of back in the trees there was a clearing in the woods that was basically where he stayed, just off an exit of Interstate 40 near Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That happened 10 or 11 years ago, and it's still burned into my mind in living color. I remember the details, and I remember lessons that I don't even have time to tell you about right now. Maybe we can talk about them some other time. It was a very different experience in that case. Our lives are full of experiences like that. But it's not only strangers on the side of the road. In fact, it's not even most of the time strangers on the side of the road when we're confronted with people in our lives 
who need us to take a moment and care about them. If you're married or you have kids, you probably spend a lot of time with people who need you to care about them. If you have a job, you maybe have coworkers, and your coworkers are human beings, and they need someone to care about them as human beings. If you eat in restaurants or shop in stores, there are people there who take care of you, and from time to time, it's important that someone cares about them. And not every time that someone needs someone to care about them is that someone somebody else. A lot of the times, it's us. A lot of the times, you need someone to notice you, look at you, care about you. We all need to live in a world and want to live in human community where we notice one another, see one another, and care about each other. But our lives are full of these ordinary, everyday encounters, and there's not a problem with ordinary. Life isn't always a special occasion. But what happens sometimes is that we allow our ordinary lives or these ordinary encounters to slip across the line from ordinary into meaningless and forgettable, rather than moving from ordinary into extraordinary. And I think if we read this passage today, it has something to say to us in the way that we experience life. Because we know in these ordinary, slipping into meaningless moments of our lives that it really shouldn't be that way. We know that there really ought to be more than that. We know when somebody should have paid attention to us. We know when we should have noticed somebody else. Somewhere that we try to keep buried, we know that we were made for this kind of human connection and for this kind of love and care for one another. But it gets stifled. We know there should be another way. And the book of Acts and the book of Acts chapter 3 in the story that we read today tells us there is another way. There is a better way. There is a way to live in the extraordinary presence and impact of the Spirit of Jesus, even in the ordinary moments of our lives. And I think if we pay attention to the lessons of the book of Acts and to the lessons from Acts chapter 3 today, from this story that we read in both of our worship venues, that it has the power to do something pretty extraordinary in our lives as we submit ourselves to its lessons. So let me invite you, if you have a Bible with you, I want to open up to this story and look at it together. It's Acts chapter 3, and if you're using one of our Quest Bibles, it's on page 1596 and 1597. And if you are following along in your Bible, just go ahead and stay open there. Keep your finger in that page, because we're going to be there with a few different readings today. So let's just start here with Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It's kind of the introduction to the story, but there's some important things that we learn there. This is Acts 13, verses 1 and 2. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, I just want to point out two things that are important in setting the scene for the story. The first thing is the story tells us that Peter and John were on their way to the temple at 3 p.m., or they probably would have called it the ninth hour, but they were on their way to the temple for a regular time of excuse me, for a regular time of daily prayer. And this is important because this story gives us, it's just one example of the truth that if you want to live a life that's full of spiritual impact, it's important to be rooted in regular lives of worship and prayer. Because spiritual vision and power in our lives doesn't come from us, it comes from the Spirit of Jesus. And so if you find yourself in your life ever wondering, as I have too from time to time and, and do, why do my encounters with people seem to be so two-dimensional? Why is there not spiritual vibrancy and impact here? Why don't I see people with the eyes that Jesus would have seen them with? Why is that? Another question that we might ask ourselves is, am I rooted in regular practices of prayer? 
Am I regularly reading and hearing the stories of Jesus' life? Am I hearing the scriptures? Am I using this kind of practice together with other Christians who can help shape me in this and I can contribute to them being shaped in this? Because the truth is that this spiritual vision and power doesn't come from us. It comes from the Spirit of Jesus. And if we're spiritually alive, it helps, to, it helps to tend to our spiritual life. But the other thing that I really want you to see here in this passage is that this guy who sat by the temple gate, he sat there, the story says, every day. He had people in his life who brought him there every day. And the story also tells us that Peter and John were on their way into the temple for an hour of daily prayer. It's highly likely that these three men had seen each other before. This was not the first time they met. I bet there was a whole bunch of times before this that Peter and John had walked in that gate and seen this guy there. And what happened on those days? Nobody knows. I would guess it was nothing too dramatic. It was nothing that anybody thought was worth writing down in a book. But that doesn't mean that all those moments had slipped from ordinary into meaningless. In fact, I believe that those moments added up to this moment. Those moments are part of the journey that God used to bring them to this moment. Not every moment in a life of extraordinary impact with Jesus is going to be some sort of spiritual adrenaline rush. Some of them are going to feel like ordinary moments. And when you find yourself walking through the ordinary moments of life, I would encourage you, keep walking out that journey. Keep praying out that journey. Keep your eyes open because on some moments, like at this one, God opened a new door. The Holy Spirit did a new thing and something more dramatic happened. And maybe in the course of the ordinary events that you live with the Spirit of Jesus, at some point God opens a door and is ready to do a new thing. And in this story, that moment was this moment. And let's read what happens next. This is Acts chapter 3. I want to read you verses 3, 4, and 5. When he, the man who was seated by the temple gate, saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And just stop there for a second. These people saw each other, right? They noticed each other. They looked at each other. They paid attention to each other. I think one of the great obstacles we face is how rarely we actually see each other. How often we're moving right past each other and we look right past someone or right by them, right around them, right through them. But the book of Acts makes a big deal of this. This actually happens in a whole bunch of stories. I think this is the first one in Acts. And there are a bunch that come after this. And the stories, they say something like this. They say, so-and-so looked directly at so-and-so. And then you read that something amazing happened next. I mean, I can testify that it was a very different experience for me the time when I actually stopped and noticed Jim and Cody and we paid attention to each other and, and looked at each other. It was a very different experience than the admittedly hundreds of other times that I did exactly the opposite and looked away. And I bet you've had experiences like that. You know how different it is when you notice somebody, when you pay attention to them, you make an impact on them. The truth is probably a lot of times we don't even know what it is, but sometimes we get to see. And I bet you know the difference that it makes when somebody actually looks at you, when somebody notices you, pays attention, when they ask you how you are and they're actually listening to the answer afterward. It's a big deal. In this story, the people noticed each other. And I admit... I think I'm pretty bad at this. I've just experienced life in a busy and fast way. And I succumb to the temptation to look right past people and right through and admittedly sometimes in my life right over. That's one of my own problems. 
But that's something that God is working on in me, and I hope that this passage from the Bible today can work on all of us in that way. And then we get to the main action of the story. Let's read the next few verses here. This is Acts chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Let me just zero in on one thing right here. On this line that Peter says to this guy, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now, most of us cannot say that. But not for the reason that maybe you're thinking right now. It's not because God no longer has the power to heal. He does, and I've seen it, and I bet many of you have too. But as a wise Bible teacher once said to me, if you're going to say, silver and gold have I not in the name of Jesus, you better not have any silver and gold. If you're going to say to somebody, I don't have any money to help you with, I'm sorry you're hurting, but I'll pray for you, you need to be telling the truth on both accounts. And in this case, we know from other stories in the book of Acts that sometimes these early disciples of Jesus, sometimes they did have access to some financial resources. We're reading from Acts chapter 3 today. We know that in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, there are stories of the disciples taking care of one another with their resources, sometimes even selling a possession or a piece of property that they had and sharing the proceeds with someone who was in need. But here in this place, here in this instance, Peter and John don't have any money with them. And so Peter did something else that was a regular feature of their life together. Sometimes they practiced financial generosity together. That was a regular feature of their life. In this moment, they did something else that they did very regularly. They spoke and they acted in the name of Jesus. And Peter reached out and took this guy by the right hand and he helped him up. And the guy got up on his feet and his ankles and his legs worked for the first time in his life when he started walking around and jumping up and down because I think that's what you would do if your legs worked for the very first time. You would use them. You would really use them. I mean, I remember having a cast in my arm once. just like six weeks. It wasn't that big of a deal. It came off and I just kind of did this all the time afterward. You know, it was just pure pleasure to use my hand. And that was nothing compared to what this guy experienced. He was walking and leaping and praising God. And maybe he did that in random directions for a little while. I don't know. But pretty soon it had a direction. Did you notice what the story said? He walked right alongside Peter and John on the way into the temple. He became a part of their community. And he went into the temple to praise the God whom he had come to know in Jesus Christ. And everybody else who saw what God had done in him through the power and witness of Peter and John, they began to praise. They began to worship God also. This is an awesome story of God's power but it's not just a story of something that happened 1980 years ago or something like that. Maybe the, fir maybe the first four Gospels are a little more like that than the stories of Jesus' life on this earth, though even they can't be contained. But the book of Acts is especially supposed to be stories about what Jesus continues to do by the power of his Spirit in those of us who know and follow him. And so think just for a moment together about the way that this story teaches us. And I want to just remind you of the very short summary, the very short thing that Peter said, and then ask ourselves a question, or maybe two questions. Peter said, what I do have, I give you. What I have, I give you. And so the question that I think it would be good for us to ask ourselves in response to the story is, what do I have, and who can I give it to? What do I have, and who do I need 
to give it to. And I think probably most of us have more than we imagine. On the one hand, and at the simplest level, most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us have some silver and gold that we could share. We have access to some financial resources, and God has maybe brought someone into our lives that we could share them with. Now, it's true that none of us can help every single person in the whole world, but we may be able to help some. And it may be that God has put somebody in your life. Maybe it's even someone that you're close to, a family member or a friend, and what they need right now is for someone to reach out a hand and just take them by the right hand and help them stand up and start walking on their own feet and under their own strength and walking and leaping and praising God. Maybe God would put a stranger in your path and you would just be the conduit, you would be the avenue of God's blessing in that moment. Maybe it's a Christian ministry that serves and helps other people in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and God's brought you to that place. I don't know who it is that God has put in your path, but I know that one way that we can respond to this passage in obedience to the Bible is to share what we have with others in this sort of way. But there are other things that we have also. There's something that we have that we can give to others. One other thing that we have is our attention. We have our time, ourselves. There are people in our lives, there are people in your life who need you to care about them, but they don't need anything from you other than you. Your friends just need you to be their friend. Maybe to be with them, to notice them, to look at them. If you are a husband or a wife, your wife or husband needs you to be their husband or their wife. If you are a mom, your kids need you to be their mom. If you're a dad, your kids need you to be their dad. Your brothers and sisters in Christ in this church need you to be their brothers and sisters. The anonymous people you interact with all throughout the day. Maybe they just need you to be a human being to them who notices them. Not everybody who needs something from you needs something. Sometimes they just need you. Peter and John paid attention to this man, and it changed his life. But the most powerful thing that we have that we can give to somebody else is what Peter and John gave to this man. The name, the hope, the grace, and the power of Jesus but I can't help but wonder, as Peter speaks this line to this guy, what I do have, I give you. I wonder if that was itself merely an act of discipleship to Jesus. Was that something that he learned from the Master? Right? The, the first four Gospels in the Bible, the life stories of Jesus, there's nowhere in there where Jesus says those exact words, what I have, I give you. But it's sure a good description of his life. He gave himself. He gave all that he had for Peter and John and for all the other disciples and for everybody else who came to him. And now the disciples, the students, the apprentices of Jesus, they go on and they do the same thing. They've experienced the power and the grace of Jesus in their life, and they pass it on. And many of us here today have experienced the power and the grace of Jesus in our lives. Maybe you've experienced the power of Jesus to turn your life around in some way. You know, last week in worship, we got to hear some pretty awesome stories from our guests at Teen Challenge, at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, and they were dramatic stories, dramatic stories of people who had suffered under the demonically evil power of abuse and shame and addiction, and who had been set free by the power of the Spirit of Jesus and received hope and healing and freedom and the gift of walking and leaping and praising God. And those were dramatic stories, and I know that many people in this church family also have pretty dramatic stories, and some of you maybe don't have such dramatic stories, but they might still be extraordinary because it's a human life, because it's your life. And God, by the power of the Spirit of Jesus, has come into your life and 
given you hope and given you new life. Maybe for some of you, you don't know the power of the Spirit of Jesus in your life. If that's you, I invite you to give your life to him right now and then hold on for the ride. I invite you to follow Jesus and experience what he wants to do in you to give you hope and life and a new pattern of life for now and forever. And many of us who are here today have experienced the grace of God in Jesus Christ in our life, the gift of knowing who we are and whose we are, the gift of knowing that we are children of God for Jesus' sake, not because of, in fact, in spite of so much of what we have done, but we are children of God for Jesus' sake because of a decision that God made to call us his own. And we know that even the grave is not the end of our lives. We know that we are who we are, and we know that we are who we are forever. And we get to go to bed at night knowing that even our eternity is secure. And not everybody knows that. And maybe you don't know that. And if you don't, I invite you even on this day to give your life into the hands of Jesus. To trust him and say, I will go where you go. I love you and I love your way. I will go where you go so that when you go there, you will come back and take me to be with you. So that where you are, there I may also be. And if you know the grace, the forgiveness, the identity that is ours in Jesus Christ, you have a powerful thing to offer somebody else who doesn't have it. Maybe what you have is material resources. Maybe what you have is your time and attention. And in addition to all those things, you have the greatest thing ever. You have the gift of God in Jesus Christ. Imagine. Imagine what would happen if those of us who are disciples of Jesus in this world would ask ourselves this one question. If we would just ask ourselves in the ordinary encounters of our everyday lives, what do I have and who do I need to give it to here? Imagine what would happen in our households, in our families of husbands and wives and moms and dads and kids. Ask this question, what do I have from God and how can I give it to you? Imagine in our workplaces, if not one person would say this, but if multiple people would say this to each other mutually, what do I have? What do we have and how can we give it to each other? Imagine what would happen in our neighborhoods if we would walk through the closed doors that we use to keep ourselves as far away from each other as humanly possible and we would walk into one of those lives and say, what do we have together? And how can we give it to each other? And I imagine what would happen in this world if churches, if communities of followers of Jesus like this one would ask ourselves, what has God given us? What do we have and who has the Holy Spirit of God brought into our sphere that we could give it to? What do we have? And who can we give it to? Peter and John, I think, asked themselves that question, and Peter articulated the answer, and it changed a man's life forever. And in the power of the Spirit of Jesus, a movement was born, and the power of God that has changed the world forever. And I pray that the Spirit of God would so powerfully dwell in you and in me and in all of us together that we would walk extraordinarily in the way of Jesus. And so all the people around would also be moved to wonder and amazement and to the worship of God. Let's pray for that to happen in our lives. Good and gracious God, we thank you for all that you have given us. For you have given us grace and you've given us power and you've given us new life. And God, even on this day, we lay our lives into your hands. We say, lead on and we will follow you and we trust you and know that you are good. And God, I pray that you would fill us up here in this place by the power of your spirit, that you would take over our lives and lead us and God, open our eyes to see you and to see what you have given us and to see how we can give it away. We love you. We follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.